0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 410. A little faster and cost a full silver eighth bit to ride. Best of all, every month or so, some drunk lordling would fall to his death from them, adding to their popularity by showing the breeding of the clientele. Since the money in my purse wasn't my own, I decided to use the horse lifts. I joined the four gentlemen and one lady who were already in line, waited for the lift to lower itself, then handed over my thin silver bit and stepped aboard. It was no more than an open-sided box with a brass rail running around the edge. Thick hempen ropes connected to the corners, giving it some stability, but any extreme motion set the thing swaying in a most disturbing fashion. A smartly dressed boy rode up and down with each load of passengers, opening the gate and signaling the horse drivers at the top when to begin their pull. It is the custom of the nobility to put their backs to Severin as they ride the lifts. Gawking was something common folk did. Not particularly caring what the nobles thought of me, I stood at the front rail. My stomach did peculiar things as we rose from the ground. I watched Severin spread out below. It was an old city and proud. The high stone wall circling it spoke of troubled times long past. It said much of the mayor that even in these peaceful times the fortifications were kept in excellent repair. All three of the gates were guarded, and they were closed at sundown every night. As the lift continued, I could see the different sections of Severin as clearly as if I were looking down on a map. There was a rich neighborhood spaced with gardens and parks, the buildings all of brick and old stone. There was the poor quarter, the streets narrow and twisting, where all the roofs were tar and wooden shingles. At the foot of the cliff, a black scar marked where a fire had cut through the city at some point in the past, leaving little more than the charred bones of buildings. Too soon, the ride was over. I let the other gentles disembark as I leaned against the railing, looking out over the city far below. Sir, the boy who rode the lift prompted wearily, all off. I turned, stepped off the lift, and saw Denna standing in the front of the line. Before I had time to do anything other than stare in wonder, she turned and met my eyes. Her face lit, she cried my name, ran at me, and was nestled in my arms before I knew what was happening. I settled my arms around her and rested my cheek against her ear. We came together easily as if we were dancers, as if we'd practiced it a thousand times. She was warm and soft. That's the page. I'm Nick, and I'm warm and soft.
1: I'm Jordana, and I'm also warm and soft?
0: I'm Jeremy, and
2: we're all warm and soft here on this podcast
1: lovely (laughs) i'm so glad that we can all be warm and soft
2: so first of all the top of this page quotes quotes little bon mo about the uh the horse lifts is very funny to me this this kind of like ironic aside adding that the horse lifts added to their popularity by showing the breeding of the clientele that's a very monty python's upper class twit of the year award kind of thing that makes me laugh um and then the follow-up is like such a good I – don't, I don't know if it's, ju- if it's a juxtaposition, but it's a good indication of his character consistent with the previous page where he says what I said he was doing. Since the money in my purse wasn't my own, I decided to use the horse lift. I've got all this money. If I take it back to the mayor, it's not going to do him any good. He's just going to put it back in his gigantic Scrooge McDuck pile of money. So I'm going to spend it on a little treat for myself. I'm going to ride the fancy elevator.
1: Yeah, that – Seems perfectly reasonable. And I also think that the mayor would have had him riding either that fancy elevator or the other fancy elevator had the mayor like been with him or had any say. I don't think the mayor would expect him to take the stairs.
0: Yeah. I think the mayor completely doesn't care. Like I think the mayor, like this money, like Jeremy said, this money is nothing. The mayor has no idea how much the stuff costs and totally doesn't care at all.
2: Uh I don't know. I feel like rich people tend to be the most penny-pinching. They didn't get rich by spending their money. So I feel like he might be okay with Kvothe taking the freight elevator. I think he would look askance at Kvothe taking the horse elevator when he doesn't have to. But also, it may be the case that money is no object to him You know, in this way as well.
1: I think there's a bit of both happening in that the mayor cares how his money is spent. But two things are happening with Quoth: a, the amount of money that Quoth has gotten from the mayor probably seems like a lot to Quoth, but is a pittance to the mayor, so he's not too worried about it. And while the mayor might care where his money is going on a on a bigger scale and not so much on this smaller scale, he also trusts Quoth. Obviously, he trusted him to figure out this whole poisoning business he trusts him to an extent to which that he believes that kwoth will make educated choices with his money
2: right but kwoth is abusing that trust by spending it frivolously
1: but i think he could easily argue for most of those situations that it's not frivolous and i think that the mayor would agree with the majority of them like i think that it makes sense that he take the take the freight lift because the horse lift was is expensive and dangerous and the stairs would take too long, and he'd already taken a long time in Severin. He needed lunch because it's important for him to have sustenance uh, to be of the proper like full- bodied mind to get this task done. He really the only thing he doesn't have an excuse for is the loot,
2: <laughs> which he does which he spends most of the mayor's money on. But my, my actual point is that like he does pick the most frivolous option he could in this instance. I'm not saying that I think that he's wrong to do it. I think when a rich person gives you money, that's your money now and you should spend it as quickly and as lavishly as you can. I'm just saying I don't think the mayor would approve if he knew. Which is why it's good that Quoth doesn't tell him. what He doesn't tell the mayor won't kill him.
1: Sure, I don't think the mayor would mind for most of the situations that Quoth finds himself in on this fine afternoon. But I do agree that some of them might bother the mayor. Mm. although i don't think i think the horse lift i think he made like the correct mayor choice on the on the not the horse lift not the stairs like he picked the middle option and i think the mayor would have gone well with that
2: no he didn't pick the middle option he picked the most expensive option
1: i thought the horse lift was the most expensive option
2: yeah that's the one he picked
1: oh i thought he picked the freight one
2: no since the money in my purse wasn't my own i decided to use the horse lift Oh I, I'm gonna do the most expensive thing I can
1: But the horse lift is dangerous Why would he take that?
0: Because it's the most expensive
1: Oh that's dumb Okay And it's fine. also
0: only dangerous if you're a moron It's only yeah. dangerous if you're drunk and you're messing around Yeah Much like an elevator Yeah exactly
1: <laughs> Jeez I hope I can be drunk in elevators That's generally how I get to my apartment <laughs>
2: <laughs> one day we'll all get to be drunk in elevators again, Jordan, and we'll have drunken elevator parties where we all jump up and down at the same time.
1: Oh my god, that'd be terrifying.
0: <laughs> no, it's fine. Relax. Yeah, that's a hundred percent chance of getting stuck. My KD ratio in elevators is uh, one thousand when I'm all jumping together with my party.
1: <laughs> also, since we're talking about the lifts, Kvothe is saying that he looks out at Severin because he doesn't care what the nobles think. But he does care what the nobles think. He just doesn't care what they think in this particular situation.
0: Yeah. He doesn't care what this random noble... Yeah, he doesn't care about what these five dipshits think of him.
1: Fine. What about people on the ground? Couldn't they look up?
2: He doesn't care what they think either. They're not, like, in the court.
0: Yeah, it's not, like, illegal. Also, it's just, like, the the fad is to... Oh, no, I'm not... Going to. Yeah, it's the way that like in if you're in
2: New York City, only tourists in New York City look up at the skyscrapers like a rube. Real New Yorkers don't bother.
0: And I can't help but wonder if this tradition here got started because the highest status guy was too scared to look out and looked away at the at the wall and everyone else was like, Oh, well if he's looking at the wall, I better look at the wall too, in order to, you know, fit in, and then it just stuck.
2: Yeah, or in order to not embarrass him, right?
0: Yeah. We'll all look at the wall, my lord.
2: <laughs>
0: Tis a fine wall. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Also, though, what a silly thing. The most fun about being on anything that is high up is looking off of it. Unless you get vertigo, in which case don't do that. But
2: Some of us are afraid of heights, Jordana.
1: That also. But for me, if I was on that elevator, I would totally, like go right up to the edge as like as safely as possible, because I love that stuff.
2: I I love, I love that for you.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Once I was in the hotel room and the windows went all the way to the floor and it was like 36 floors up or something. It was one of those downtown hotel things. And I, and I saw the, the like Nathan Phillips square from like 36 floors up, like from my feet. And it was awesome and that's what i imagine this to be like <laughs> jeremy slowly retching in the corner
0: <laughs> yeah the uh the urban legend of the lawyer who was demonstrating the unbreakable windows and threw himself against the window only to have it break and he fell to his death uh is true and happened in my mom's office building
1: whoa that's, i mean i would never press myself against a window that was that high up i would just look out it in awe
0: Yes, it was extremely dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He
2: put his money where his mouth was. I respect that. But I like, I can't do like, the, there's like, so listeners, we live in Toronto where one of the tallest buildings in the world, the CN Tower is in our city. And there's a part of the CN Tower when you go up to like the observation deck, where you can like look out at the city. There's a part that has like a glass floor that you can stand on. And, and it's super cool intellectually i know that the glass is like several feet thick and super reinforced and it's been there for like 60 years and to my knowledge no one has ever broken it and fallen to their death but i cannot stand on it there's always like little kids jumping up and down on it and and laughing and i'm just like i have visions of the glass shattering and us all plummeting to our deaths and i just i cannot i cannot
0: (laughs) not good also yeah it's actually it's a huge conspiracy jeremy i'm a glass floor truther uh it actually breaks every month or so and they cover it up cover it all up quickly paper it over yeah they cover it up quite literally
2: (laughs) this is what the uh the illuminati of toronto don't want you to know (laughs) so i also think there's some interesting world building details to be gleaned from Quoth's view of severin for example uh it's peacetime. There isn't there isn't a war on as far as Quoth knows, but the mayor is keeping the fortifications of the city in good repair. And we saw the mayor and a rather scary-looking military dude consulting a bunch of maps. So that might make one think, oh, maybe they're expecting a war. Maybe that's part of why the mayor is keeping the, the fortifications in good repair, because there might be a war
0: soon. And they want to be mm, prepared. That's a good point. And That might be why he wants the uh, the tax routes cleared up because mm-hmm. he needs as much money as he can to, in order to uh, in order to fight his war.
2: Yeah, absolutely,
0: and also just like
2: having the roads safe is important for moving an army around as much as it is making sure you get
0: the tax collection to collect the revenue to feed that army. So, if the mayor is trying to persecute, sorry, if the mayor is trying to prosecute a war, and if he needs money and safe roads in order to do it then wouldn't the Chandrian be working to prevent the war?
2: What makes you say that?
0: Because the Chandrian are responsible for the banditry that's clogging up the tax collection and making the roads unsafe.
2: Well, but we don't know that they're doing that to make the mayor's war effort more difficult. No, but but they might be. They might be. It could be unrelated.
0: <laughs> Sometimes things are just coincidences. That's all I'm saying. It can't be a coincidence if somebody wrote it. But
2: what if you wrote it to be a coincidence is what I'm saying. Like. Then that would be dumb. I Whoa. Hold, no. Hold the fuck up. One of the things that I actually <laughs> really appreciate about modern fantasy is the attempt at author that authors are making to not make everything so neat and tidy because not everything is the result of someone's grand stratagem or sinister scheme. Not everything is like a prophetic happening 10,000 years in the making. Sometimes a thing goes wrong just because of dumb luck or unfortunate circumstance. And that is a perfectly like valid tool for dramatic storytelling. And it actually can serve to make the story feel more realistic because you know what? Sometimes in life, like, the dice just don't go your way. Sometimes in life, like the weather turns against you or a series of unrelated circumstances conspire uh, to coincidentally mess up your plan. That can happen. So,
0: Yeah, but I don't think that's the kind of story Rothfuss is telling. I think he's telling a story where there is a a bunch of designs all coming to a head with Kvothe sort of at the linchpin between them and his decisions will decide whose designs end up triumphing
2: right but you can't possibly believe that literally everything that happens in these books is because of someone's agency
0: no not literally everything i think that's a willful misreading of what my assertion was but okay so if
2: you if you accept that not everything that happens in these books is the result of agency and therefore some things must be down to chance or coincidence
0: yes (laughs) is this an assertion you accept
1: this feels like a trap.
0: It is a trap. It's it's because, like, okay, coincidence to me doesn't work the same as it does in real life because there is an authorial vision behind it. So the very act of using coincidence as a storytelling device is imbuing, like, is making a commentary on the nature of, of coincidence and, like, chaos. I think that Joe Abercrombie uses this kind of thing a lot because he's always writing about how The best designs of mice and men can be undone by the whims of fate. And like, as you say, in real life, things don't always go your way. And that's kind of what he's grappling with in in a fantasy setting. Um, But I don't think it's good storytelling just to say this important thing happened just because of coincidence. If it's not part of a greater thematic picture. And this may just come down to our different tastes in, in storytelling and how these things need to be structured. So I'm not interested in deciding who's right uh, and or anything like that. I'm willing to say we you know different strokes for different folks. Uh, and I am also willing to cede that occasionally there may be uh, things in the story that are just a result of Rothfuss deciding that it had to happen that way because of chance. I don't think this is one of them, but it, I'm sure it's in there. Okay, <laughs> Phew, Jordana, I dodged a bullet. Uh-huh.
2: I also think that it is notable that there is a black scar marking where a fire is swept through the city at some point in the past, and no one has like rebuilt it right like that that is that is something that I think it's hard for us to think about in the modern age. like if a building, first of all, Fires that like sweep through a city and destroy large swaths of it aren't really a a thing that happens to us in the developed world uh, anymore. But they used to be.
0: But now that we've got Bitcoin mining operations, oh boy, the fires are springing up.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, fires do, do still happen. Like buildings do occasionally still burn down, but it's much less common. And if and when they do, they're usually demolished and rebuilt pretty quickly. And I just find it, interesting that like i think that you know like when the great fire of london happened they didn't just like abandon the parts of london that burned down for for very long right i'm sure they cleared away the debris and rebuilt the buildings that were there pretty quickly so it strikes me as odd that this section has has not been rebuilt in that way and i think it The oddness is compounded by the fact that no one, like, if it was recent enough that they haven't had time to rebuild it or the effort, then you would think that Quoth would know about the fire, right? That it would have been like something that people talked about. Like, oh, that fire that happened, you know, last month, that was really bad. That's something that would have come up in the court gossip or something.
0: But he doesn't. Yeah, that is a little odd. I read this initially as like a fire had been there and he could tell because he has quoth vision and that it had been built over. But now that I'm reading it, it has just little more than the charred bones of buildings. So you're right. This is a devastated part of the town and it hasn't been rebuilt, which I do think is odd. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe because the money that would normally be going to that rebuilding is instead going towards the fortification of the gates.
2: Uh-huh. Ah. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a good observation, Jordana. That the infrastructure funding isn't there because it's being sent somewhere else.
2: Hmm. Well, I can't think of any real world scenario where that's the case. Um, oh
0: no, no, I can't think of any time where people are withheld their basic needs in order for those in charge to, you know, get wealthy or or <laughs> prosecute
2: a bloody war
0: <laughs> in order to get more wealthy. Hmm.
2: I also want to say that I think the end of this page is like it's cheesy. It's like straight out of a thousand cliche romances and I love it.
0: Yeah, honestly me too. I love it. Uh, It's nice to find Denna when he's not looking for her. And it's also like it comes as a surprise to us, the reader, because Denna's been out of mind for a while. Mm -hmm. And why would he expect to see her here? Why would we expect to see her here?
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, I can hear like the swelling music in the background and everything.
0: Smear some Vaseline on the lens. (sighs) Yeah, that's right. And listeners, we'll smear some Vaseline in your ears on tomorrow's page. Page. Of. Page. Page. The. 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 Page. The. 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 Win! Win page. 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 page.